When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. And here we are on New Year's Day. How about that? Wishing you and yours the absolute best in the year to come. Um, Most of us didn't think we'd live this long, right? Uh, But yeah, here we are. Brand new year. All hope springs eternal in the new year. Hope you're not too hungover today. I know many people, goodness gracious, it feels like a lot of people have been on break for a long time, you know. Uh, since Christmas Eve, I mean, hey, we're coming up on a nine-day break. Some of you guys got to get up, go to work tomorrow for the first time in a while. But uh, listen, it's uh, it's always interesting. You know, you say, well, it's just another day, but it's really not just another day. You know, I think it's one of those things too. You look back over last year and think about the triumphs uh, that Mississippi State has had, the ones that we have had, the mistakes that we all made, and we get a chance to kind of fix that in the new year. And uh, so. Hopefully, you guys had a great time with family over the holidays, and uh, you know the holiday weekend continues for many, and some of you probably need it. I guess the way the calendar fell, it was uh, kind of interesting, you know, uh, the way it all works, but uh, it's uh, my sincere hope that this next year is the best in your life so far, right? I mean, you begin to think about, well, what could be? You think about what was, you know, what could be this year, you know? I don't think we're going to add any new grandchildren this year, but you never know, right? Not that we're opposed, you know, but uh, I, I think so much about, you know, the hope of 2024. And, I, and I, as I've shared with you guys before, I'm the kind of guy that needs to have something to look forward to. You know, I'm working on this new, uh, you know, biography for Duty Noble. So the, the, the formal writing process for that will begin this month. And then later this year, that book will be on the market. And uh, I'll tell you, too, the uh, the publisher is talking about doing a special edition of the book. So we'll have our regular stock, right? There'll be thousands of those copies printed. But uh, maybe 150 so kind of special editions that uh, I can't give you a lot of details about just yet. But it'll make it uh, a timeless keepsake in many respects. And uh, went, so Dan and I went down to learn at Mississippi uh, over the weekend. And I had a chance to um, to tour Learned, right? I mean, I've been there before. I've had dinner at Gibbs Grocery. If uh, if you've never eaten there, let me encourage you to go in there and eat. They only do dinner Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But uh, uh, the best buttermilk pie in the world. I know it sounds gross. It's not. It's absolutely spectacular. A friend of mine, we were there eating for the first time, and he goes, you got to try this. you got to try this. And we did, and it was uh, tremendous. But I uh, went out and did some research, uh, visited some cemeteries, and walked around, learned, and just kind of got a sense of the place, man. And it's so interesting, too. You talk to people, you know, we all have a bit of a revisionist history, right? We, we do. You know, I, of course, I've seen the census numbers for uh, for learning, even back around 1900, around the time Duty Noble was born, the 1900 census, like 102 people down there. And you talk to people down there, and they're like, oh, yeah, we used to have all this, and we had this, and the streets were lined with this. And, and it's like you, you just want to say that there were 100 people here. You know, uh, so yeah, things were uh, much bigger, I guess, back then. Maybe not much bigger, 
But uh, if you ever have a chance to visit Learned Mississippi, let me encourage you to do that. And you're not just going to happen up on it. you got to be going there. But uh, it is a place from a different era. Um, it, it really is. I mean, of course, there's some nice houses out there. But uh, I love that they have kept it so true to form. It's like stepping back, you know, nearly a century. And uh, one of our posters on Gene's page made the comment, I think we have more churches per capita than anywhere in the world. That may be true. But it's amazing to see the architecture and the structure down there. Uh, it's just a really, really quaint and unique place. And so one day, maybe when you're just going to take a Saturday drive, let me encourage you. Go to Learned Mississippi. Just go check it out. And uh, you might want to call ahead and make some reservations for dinner. Because, again, they only do it Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. One of the best steaks I've ever eaten. Uh, there at Gibbs Grocery, and um, went in and visited with those folks for a little while, too, and just kind of getting a sense of things, but um, my third time visiting there, third time, and, but again, I think it's worth your time and effort, but um, yeah, so that that's a big part of my, the early part of 2024 for me, uh, is to write this book, and um, I don't know what your goals are, but as I shared with you in the last show, it's, I think it's important that we all have personal goals, not just professional goals. Uh, but some things that we want to do, want to accomplish uh, this year. So let's forget about resolutions. My New Year's resolutions to go to the gym more. You know, uh, my New Year's resolutions to stop smoking or to whatever. Uh, we make these little uh, resolutions, and we don't need a new a new year or a new day to do those things. But I do think it's important that we do have personal goals for ourselves. And so, no matter what those are, I wish you the absolute best with them. As you navigate through the next uh, 365 some odd days, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. They should always be on your list of New Year's resolutions. Uh, re- resolve to get in there more often. Yeah, uh, to enjoy a great quality meal when you put your feet under their table. You know what to expect. It's going to be great service, great food at a great price, and a great atmosphere. It's amazing. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Uh, go by, have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. Get that chocolate shake to go, perhaps the uh, Nutella shake. I like the special shakes, too. They'll run those like a limited time only. That's another reason maybe to follow them on social media. You know, kind of give you that, um, that impetus to get in there. But the reason you go, there's great restaurant-quality hamburgers. And you can get hamburger almost anywhere, but none the quality of Bulldog Burger Company. Easily the best place to go eat a hamburger in this part of the state. There's no question about it. Uh, I'm very partial to that Mississippi barbecue burger. That's been my go-to here as of late. But uh, sometimes I'll take a uh, you know, trip down uh, um, you know, to my early days, and I'll get the Bulldog, or I'll get the Bryant or the Lauren, or the Freshman 15. There's so many great options to choose from. Go find your own favorites. I've never left there feeling disappointed, ever, at any point. You know, we did the uh, Boneyard Bulldog Burger Challenge, where I ate every burger on the menu and gave you a review on the show. They're outstanding. And maybe you're not feeling like a burger today. Maybe, see, you know, Steve, a little bit lighter for lunch today. Have that BLT salad. I prefer it grilled. You may like it fried. I'm not judging. You eat it the way you want it. But the main thing is Bulldog Burger Company is going to be able to Give you some quality nourishment at a great price. Go in there and check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people to go to meet. M-E-A-T. Okay. We did our year in review show on Friday. 
And so today we're going to kind of forecast the year. Okay, we're going to look ahead to things that we're watching, we're monitoring, uh, things we expect. And we got to start with basketball. You know, we wrapped up non-conference basketball over the weekend. Let's start on the women's side of things. Okay, let's start there. Ladies first. So we're 13-2. and two. Now, I don't know how anybody could look at that and say, you know what? That's bad. It's not. And if you look at how we have played as of late, I think it's even more of an encouragement. You lose that game at Chattanooga, right? You lose the game with Miami. And, of course, you didn't have Jessica Carter for either of those games. You know, she's back, playing healthy, and it seems like injuries have been a part of our season all year. There's always somebody that seems to be in a protective boot and unavailable. But uh, the fact that we're able to navigate through a 15-game non-conference schedule and win 13 of those and then close that out on a five-game winning streak with most of the horses healthy, right? Jessica Carter is back, and uh, we know what she's capable of when she's at 100%. But outside of that one week there where we really didn't have anybody to rebound for us, the ladies have played exceptionally well. And the two games you lose – Gets back and buying a dozen points. You lose at UT Chat by six, lose to Miami here in Starkville uh, by six, and we got absolutely crushed on the boards. But one week does not truly indicate the quality of a team, right? You can't just look at it and say you're, you're as good as your best week and as bad as your worst week. That was our worst week. But we bounced back from that and uh, have done a great job ever since. And uh, listen, I get it. You know, there's a big gap in women's basketball. Probably the biggest gap in all of college sports is in women's basketball because you have the haves and the have-nots. And uh, there are some, you know, some beatdowns that happen in women's basketball that are just absolutely ungodly. And uh, so you feel good about where we are right now. And, again, I think that win at Colorado State may may prove to be a pretty good one when it's all said and done. Of course, you win at Memphis too, but – you know, we've played a non-conference schedule that hadn't been especially challenging, but we have played well and are trending in a good direction. And again, you look at the quality of recruiting that, um, that Sam Purcell has done, and you feel like, hey, we're on the road back. We are. Now, this Thursday, January 4th, We'll be at home against Vanderbilt. This is the SEC opener. We need a big crowd. So if you don't have plans for Thursday, uh, we need you to be there. Of course, um, you know Justin Frommer will be covering for us. But that's a big ball game. we got to get out of the gate strong because the, the very next conference game, we're going to go to South Carolina. And uh, let's just be honest about that. You know, in recent years, we have kind of fallen – Right, And even in the best of times, we had a tough time beating South Carolina. None of us will ever forget the big win here in Humphrey Coliseum. Sellout crowd. Blair Schaefer hit that big three to kind of give us the final separation we needed. It was an incredible night. South Carolina has maintained. We have not. So this will be a good measuring stick. Do I expect to win this game? No, I don't. But you remember last time we played those ladies – we gave them all they wanted and then some. So Sam Purcell will have a game plan. Not going to go through the whole schedule here, but let's look at the standings uh, on the women's side of things. And again, there's only so much you can learn, right? I mean, if you've had a poor non-conference schedule, well, that's probably a harbinger of things to come. But how many times have we seen a team, you know, just blitz through the non-conference schedule and get into SEC play and be a 500 team or worse? Happens regularly. 
Well, South Carolina is 12-0, the only undefeated team in the SEC at this point. LSU, you're defending the NFL champions, 13-1. Vanderbilt, also 13-1. So if that maybe doesn't give you a little hint and a half there that you need to come to the ballgame Thursday, uh, I don't know what does. But uh, they are 2-1 on the road and 2 and on neutral sites, so their long loss came in somebody else's venue. They've been outstanding at home. Uh, then Texas A&M, 12-1. And then Alabama and Mississippi State right there at 13-2. Right? You, you feel – okay. Right there in the meaty curve and feel like we're a team that's trending towards another NCAA tournament berth. And, again, you go back to the fact, too, the two losses. I mean, if you have Jessica Carter in those two games, you probably win those two games. You're probably undefeated. Now, but your record is what it is. Everybody's got to deal with injuries as part of the game. But you feel like, hey, we're playing as well as nearly anybody in the Southeastern Conference, which means that we're playing as well as anybody in the country for the most part. But here we are now. So we got to figure this thing out. Got to get off to a strong start in the SEC schedule. Uh, but, you know, getting a little deeper in this thing, you know, you know, Mississippi State right there at 13-2. Auburn. Uh, I don't know the quality of schedule. I haven't looked at their strength of schedule. But Johnny Harris got it going pretty well. This is a big year for Johnny Harris, as you guys know. I mean, Johnny Harris and Auburn needs to play well this year. Uh, probably could have some impact on what happens at Mississippi State. You know, Sam Purcell, obviously an, an Auburn alum. Uh, but um, that's something to watch. Arkansas 12-3, and Ole Miss 10-3, and Florida 9-3, Georgia 9-4, Missouri 9-4, Tennessee 7-5. and Did you expect to see that? And Kentucky 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, I expect Tennessee will pick it up a little bit here in, in conference play, but uh, it's been a disappointing start to the season uh, for those ladies. And, you know, they, they pride themselves in Knoxville when it comes to women's basketball. They don't ever think they should have a rebuilding year, and they probably shouldn't. But uh, we're going to find out, you know, kind of who is uh, who's who here over the course of the next month. And uh, Mississippi State obviously kind of front-loaded a little bit on that, that conference schedule. So uh, we need your support. Ask you to turn out and be a part of that every chance you get. It's a, it's a likable team, too. You know what I mean? It's like there's some teams out there that, uh, you know, that was one of the things that I thought Vic did a great job of is uh, you guys felt so connected to that team, you know, whether it be, you know, Tierra McCowan or Victoria Vivians. I mean, you know, there was all these players, you know, they'd go up in the stands on road games and thank you all for coming they would hang out after a ball game and get all the pictures with the kids. So there was a connection there. And you felt like you were a part of it. And uh, I, I'm not saying that we have that same level of access these days uh, as fans, but it does appear that this is kind of a likable team that uh, fans are kind of rallying around. I, I know Jessica Carter is, um, is a fan favorite in many respects. A lot of our, our young people want to meet Jessica. And so – uh, we're excited about what's to come. I do think Sam Purcell and the ladies will make the NCAA tournament, and, and now's a good time for us to kind of take an inventory of all of that. All right, on the men's side, you know, Tolu Smith is back. Have you heard? Right? What? Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. 
Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step -step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking and that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? 
It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. What a big, big, big deal that is for us. There was discussion to be back at Christmas and then possibly the 15th. It was always about kind of uh, how he responded to treatment. You know he wants to play desperately. And again, I, I think uh, Jimmy Bell, I think God in heaven every day for the work that Jimmy Bell has done in Tolu's absence. And we're a better basketball team because of the reps that Jimmy Bell has taken, the steps that he has taken. Mississippi State can afford to go play big. They can afford to give uh, Tolu some rest. But let's be honest, Tolu Smith's our best player. And sometimes there's a silver lining in things. You know, when Tolu got hurt, we thought, well, there goes the season. Well, you look up now, we're 11-2. and two. Yeah, most people thought we might drop one, maybe two. So we're pretty much on schedule, even without Tolu being a part of things. Uh, and now here we are, getting Tolu back. Made his debut, a little tune-up against Bethune-Cookman. Maybe you've heard. Uh, but State wins that game 85-62. State playing good basketball right now. I don't know if you had a chance to watch you know, yesterday at all, but uh, this was not a game. Absolutely not a game. 41-22 at the break, and then State kind of coasts in the second half and uh, wins 44-40 in the second half. You win the game 85-62. Uh, but you didn't expect much of a challenge with them Cookman. But uh, Deshaun Davis, Rams Davis, 12 points. Tolu with 16. In 19 minutes of action, 5 of 5 from the floor, knocked 6 of 7 down and pulled down uh, 9 boards. You think he's ready to play? Yeah. The fact that he comes in here and doesn't start, comes off the bench and leads a team in scoring. And, of course, you know, pretty liberally in the substitution patterns yesterday. Kind of get guys going. Josh Hubbard, of course, with 11. It's going to be interesting to see how people – uh, defense Josh Hubbard here in the conference. And I think the fact that you've got Tolu down low uh, will maybe open up some looks for him, right? You, you can run your offense through Tolu because Tolu's a, a good passer as well and uh, run a little inside-out game with that. So it'll be interesting to see, you know. But, uh, yeah, excited about this team and excited about where they are. And let's kind of look at what is to come here. You guys are probably ready to go. I am. I'm ready to see what this team looks like. South Carolina, right? We're going to be at South Carolina on Saturday. So if you're in the area, Bulldog fans, that's an 11 a.m. tip. I suspect that'll be noon locally, but 11 here. In, uh, in, and that's going to be a CBS game, the parent company, 247 Sports, which we're affiliate of. That's a big game early on for us. Find a way to go get that dub. And then Tennessee's coming in, and then we get Alabama. And so, you again, it's kind of like last year. You get off to that very difficult start, very challenging start, because January 17th you get on the road at Lexington. So you're going to have four potential NCAA tournament teams your first four games. You find a way to navigate through that with a couple of wins, maybe get you a split there, and we're hoping for better. But if you find a way to get a split there, uh, and, and Alabama's kind of an anomaly too. I just don't know what Nate Oaks is going to have. But it's tough to go win it at, at, uh, in Lexington. It always has been. But 
Could be a situation where maybe we stumble a little bit out of the gate and then kind of get rolling. And so that's why these next games are so important because I think in many respects we're already playing for seeding in the tournament. That's how important these games are in the net. So you look at where the SEC looks right now. Ole Miss undefeated, the long undefeated team in the Southeastern Conference. They're 13-0. South Carolina, Mississippi State's first conference opponent, 12-1. Their one loss comes on the road, too. So they're 8-0 at home. And you know, you know that they pack it out up there. They do that more so for the women than the men. But uh, there is some excitement in the air at South Carolina. And we're going to go in there really just one game behind them at 11-2. and two. So right now your Bulldogs, the third best record in the SEC. And, again, you go back to that one week that appears to be an anomaly. I mean, like the loss to Southern. I mean, it's like and even the players are saying that's not going to define our season. Auburn 10 and 2, Kentucky 10 and 2, Florida 10 and 3. We'll play them pretty early in the schedule too. Georgia 10 and 3, Tennessee 9 and 3, Arkansas 9 and 4, A&M 9 and 4, Alabama 8 and 5. A little bit of a surprise there. Nate Oaks knows guys will get it going. LSU 8 and 5, Missouri 8 and 5, Vanderbilt 5 and 8. So like the only thing now you look at this uh, you know Vanderbilt deal, you know, they're the only team right now you look at and say okay, well that that may be a night off. You know, maybe, if there is such thing in the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, the latest bracketology reports have stayed as a bubble team. And uh, honestly, I think we're a little bit better than that. You know, I know Joe Lenardi has us in, uh, and then, uh, you know, CBS has us out. But both of them have us right there on the firmly on the bubble. Uh, we're going to have to play our way off of it. And uh, I think there was so much parity in the Southeastern Conference this year and the fact that um, – you know, we're a team that has one of the better players in the country in Tolu Smith. I think we're better than that. And I think Jimmy Bell's emergence as a quality reserve at the five makes us better than a bubble team. So, at this point, I think most all of us feel the same way. We're, we're expecting March Madness on the men's and the women's side. And I think that's only right. I think when you look at this and you begin to you work your way through it, uh, you got to go play the games, right? But based on the body of work so far and the fact that we've accomplished so much without Tolu Smith, I think we're a team to watch. I think a lot of people in the Southeastern Conference aren't going to want to see Chris Jans and that group show up because they know we're going to play defense. And now all of a sudden we've got our best offensive player back. Our perimeter game is light years better than it was a year ago. Uh, so we're going to be able to um, to attack some people from the perimeter, which will open up some spacing inside for Bell and Smith. And there's some times that you may run them both out there. It's kind of dependent on the circumstances. But I think most people expect us to get off to a really good start uh, on the basketball side of things and have really something cool to play for. I think that's an exciting part of all of this. Now, in addition to that, uh, we got baseball coming up. Now, the baseball tournament situation is going to be much different this year. And uh, I suspect we're going to see much better pitching, not just at Mississippi State, but in the Southeastern Conference. So you've got a little bit of an inflation there as well. But uh, the portal has been very good to the league when you begin to look at uh, Friday night starters. I don't know that we had a lot of bona fide Friday night starters last year in the Southeastern Conference. You know, Cade Smith was typically our Friday night guy, and he's really not a Friday night guy. When you look at it from a skill set standpoint, more like a Saturday guy. Uh, so we were throwing a Saturday guy on Fridays and just trying to piecemeal it together outside of that. 
But the conference is expected to be very good. Uh, and I think be even better than last year. And, and you say, well, Steve, you know, the SEC's won, uh, you know, multiple NAFL championships in a row. You know, Vanderbilt wins it in 19, State wins it in 21, Ole Miss in 22, and LSU in 23. Uh, I'm not quite ready to pick the conference yet. We'll do that as we get a little bit closer to the season. But I'm expecting a better year for Mississippi State. And, yes, I expected a better year last year for Mississippi State. And uh, things did not come to fruition. I think we've done a better job in the portal. And I think we've done a very good job in retention. People forget, you know, we had to deal with the possibility of Dakota Jordan leaving for about, I don't know, 12 hours. There was a lot of discussion about Hunter Hines. Imani Larry, of course, was a potential draft guy. A lot of people didn't think Dylan Cup would come to school. I was told pretty early on in that process that if he came to school, uh, you know, after his time at Mississippi State, he'd be a potential first-rounder. He's that good defensively. And we had a chance to watch him in the fall. And I can tell you guys this, the left side of that defense is markedly better than it was a year ago. You know, we had some real issues. majority of our errors came on the left side of the infield. And that just really wears your pitcher out. I mean, you go out there and you get a guy to roll over one and hit a routine ground ball to third or short, that should be an automatic out. It wasn't. Every time we had a ball hit to that side, you always kind of held your breath. If I remember the numbers correctly, I think we had 11 opportunities to turn double plays, 5-4-3 double plays, and we connected on one of those. Sometimes we would get the first out and second and not be able to complete the play because the throw was somewhat errant uh, or perhaps, uh, you know, we just didn't handle it well. But uh, defensively, we are a much better team. We expect to be one of the best offensive teams in the country. Uh, I don't know that anybody in the country has a better 3-4 combination than Dakota Jordan, Hunter Hines. And one could argue that perhaps maybe Texas A&M does with, uh, you know, Lavalet and Montgomery. But we're, we will be a better team. Now, will the record be indicative of our talent level? I think that's where Justin Parker comes in. Now, the early returns on Justin Parker, whether they be from Chris Lamonis or the pitchers themselves, have been very, very good. Uh, so we're excited about that aspect of it because I think we all feel like, hey – we're going to be able to score if we can just be a good defensive team. And even in 22, as bad as we were record-wise, we were a really good defensive team. We were a great defensive team in 21. And so I don't even think we have to be elite defensively. I think we have the potential to be elite. I think Logan Kohler is a guy that uh, is a really, really big part of things that nobody's really talking about. I think he can be a double-digit home run guy, but he's a guy that makes – all the routine plays and make some of the spectacular plays at third. And we don't need him, you know, to be Mike Schmidt. We don't need him to be Brooks Robinson. We just need him to go over there and be a good third baseman. And it's been a long time since we've had a really good third baseman. You know, Cam James slid over there in 2021 and, uh, you know, uh, we, we made some changes defensively there. But, you know, Cam down the stretch was elite defensively. He had some other challenges earlier in the year, but Cam was outstanding down the stretch, especially in postgame. People forget he was the, uh, the Starkville regional most valuable player in that regional in our NAFL championship year and uh, played really well defensively, had some big flies offensively. Uh, I'm a Cam James guy. think a lot of him. But when I begin to think about all of these question marks at Mississippi State, there are less question marks this year than there were last year. Now, we entered last year thinking, you know, Slade Alford had had that huge summer. We thought, you know what? Okay, he's turned the corner. And so many guys had told us that defensively he was better than Cam James. And then when he got on the field, he wasn't. Now, he's at Georgia, you know, and uh, that's something that they'll have to deal with now. 
maybe he becomes a designated hitter. And listen, Slade hit a couple of big flies for us last year that were very, very important. I, mean, I don't know that we beat LSU in that series down there without Slade. But we need Logan Kohler to be as good as he was offensively, but markedly better defensively. And when you begin to work through this thing and think about, you know, Dave, uh, David Mershon, Dylan Cobb, Amani Lara, you've got some nice options there in the middle infield. And uh, Amani looks like he's going to be our leadoff hitter, uh, you know, probably. And maybe Mershon's your two-hole hitter. I kind of like the two-hole hitter that can bunt, a guy that can hit and run and run the bases as well. And when you begin to think about the fact that you're going to have a guy like Marshawn and Larry ahead of Dakota Jordan and Hunter Hines, you have the opportunities to put some runs up. But, uh, yeah, we're going to open up with Air Force. That's February the 16th. That's Valentine's Day weekend. You know, you'll give your sweetie her uh, or his, you know, gifts on Wednesday, and then we'll head down to Duty Noble Field to take on Air Force. And, um you know, it's going to be a long time before we leave the state of Mississippi. So you're going to get plenty of chances to go cheer on the Bulldogs. Remind you, too, that, uh, you know, before the Bulldogs begin SEC play, we're going to have a game at Pearl against Southern Miss. And we're going to have uh, those two games down in Biloxi that have been absolutely outstanding the last few years. The, the folks on the Gulf Coast do such a great job of turning out and supporting the Bulldogs. We'll see South Alabama and then UNO Privateers. Uh, before we welcome LSU, the defending NAFL champions, and to be honest with you, I'm glad we're getting them early. It's true. It's such a rivalry, too. It's like you, usually when we beat them, we have a great year. When we don't, we can still have a good year, but it's it's like we never seem to get over the hump when we lose to LSU. So there's going to be a lot of LSU people there. It's going to be in, in uh, mid-March, and so go ahead and make your plans to attend. But, um, you know, working through this non-conference schedule – you never know what baseball is going to look like. But the, the reality of it is the state should take every weekend of the non-conference and uh, probably have the opportunity to move some people around and, and um, you know, try them in different places. But uh, I think it's a very, very interesting non-conference, probably not something that's going to move the needle as far as, uh, you know, the net goes, whatever we're going to call it this year. But it's not even about – RPI and things like that. We've got to be able to win some ball games. And, and more importantly, we've got to solidify some roles. We've got to figure out the back end of that bullpen. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of parity in the league this year. Um, and you start working through this thing, too. I mean, you know, uh, I don't think that State got any gifts with this schedule, which makes the non-conference schedule all the more important. You know, you got to stack up wins. you got to win some ball games. And I think this is a, a team that's got some interesting pieces you know, where does Nate Dome factor into this thing? You know, is Nate end up being a weekend starter, or is he the first guy at the bullpen? Maybe a guy you can use twice on the weekends, kind of when you need him. That's always uh, a nice little luxury to have. And, and I remember when Nate committed to us, people kind of panned the commitment. People were like, Steve, well, you know, he's a ball state. But if you look at what he did the second half of the time that he was there as a true freshman – he was outstanding. He came to Mississippi State last year, and he was the guy that you all wanted on the mound more than anybody. And I felt the same way. And so how we tried to use him this year, I think, will be very, very important. But uh, look at the schedule here. You know, home against LSU, then we're on the road at A&M, and we come back. Uh, you know, it's, it's a while. You know, we got to go down to Gainesville, and then uh, we get Georgia and Slate here, and then we got to go to Oxford. And Super Bulldog Weekend, Auburn is here. And then we go to Vanderbilt, which is never easy. 
It's never easy. Alabama comes here. We've had their number as of late. We go to Fayetteville when we have absolutely struggled against Arkansas the last few years. It's been a very interesting deal. They get up to play us. Uh, we were able to steal a win last time we went up there on that Sunday, thanks to Luke Hancock. Then Missouri comes in to close out the slate. And Missouri, <laughs> under Beezer, who's no longer there, last two times we played them, they took the series for us. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what things look like up there with the new-look Tigers. And so, you know, you don't get Tennessee this year, which is interesting, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the regular foes, right? I mean, it's just – you know, we, we make the rotation every now and again, but uh, I think getting Georgia is probably a good thing, even though they hit the portal really hard. That's going to be an interesting deal. And that's the thing about baseball is the portal, I think the portal in baseball may be more significant than in most sports because even though it's a team sport, it's based on individual performances, right? And what I mean by that is it, it doesn't matter who the team is around you for the most part when you step up to the plate, right? you got to go do your job. Now, you got to do your job in basketball and football, too, but sometimes people can pick you up. Nobody can pick you up when you're alone in the batter's box. It's up to you. And so sometimes you can go out and get a player that makes everybody around them better because of the fact it adds some depth to your order. So that's rather interesting, too. So that's how I see those sports right there kind of playing out. Of course, uh, you know, softball, we need to have a little a bounce back year. You know, 2021 – excuse me, 2022 was a historic year in baseball and fans did such a great job turning out and making that so special. Uh, last year things didn't go quite as well as we'd hoped. The only team in the Southeastern Conference not to make the the, uh, uh, the tournament. And so we got to get that turned around. But that's kind of how I see the spring playing out. I think there's a really good chance that we're in postseason in at least three of those four. I expect men's basketball, women's basketball, and baseball to be in the postseason and softball we'll see. Uh, the team's certainly capable of doing it. You know, we play in you know, a meat grinder of a conference, you know, so you're always going to have the opportunity to uh, to pick up some big wins. But um, it's an important year, I think, for that program on the softball side. So I think the spring semester will give us plenty to cheer about, and then we'll get into the summer months and kind of see how things go. All right, time for today's top ten list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional Blair is a guy that knows how to get things done. And when you're dealing with something as important as your mortgage, it's good to deal with people that know the ins and outs of their industry. That's the thing about Blair is uh, rather than you have to do all this running around, this is a guy that's done it now for 22 years. You send him your documentation, he'll let you know what else you may need, but he will be your advocate with underwriting. He will be the guy that can get you to the closing table perhaps when nobody else can. He's seen it all and done it all in 22 years of experience. Recently made the move to Priority One Mortgage, and that's what winners do, right? You know, winners are always in demand. There's a reason that Blair Chandler uh, is a guy that uh, has been in this industry as long as he has. And there's a lot of people that get, I was in the mortgage industry for a while, too. It's a meat grinder of an industry, man. Had a great year and then just decided I wanted to have a life because uh, working in the mortgage industry, man, it's one of those things, man. It's, it's so labor-intensive. So entrust your mortgage, entrust your dreams of home ownership with Blair Chandler. Give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. And let him know you heard about him on the show. Blair's one of us. He's a bulldog. Got season ticket holder in multiple sports. Has a place here in Starkville. Uh, so I believe in keeping business in the family whenever we can. This gives you the opportunity to do that, but also to 
to make your family's life maybe a little easier. Whether you're looking for a refinance, looking to buy a home for the very first time, I never know what your needs are, but Blair can take care of those for you. That's again, Blair Chandler with CloseWithBlair.com. All right, New Year's Day, and the fact that we're on New Year's Day, let's do a top 10 about songs about New Year's Day. And there's a bunch of them out there, for sure. Some interesting ones, to say the least. All right, number 10 on our list is a, a song from the band Death Cab for Cutie, which is a weird name for a band, to be honest with you. I haven't researched that. These guys kind of came along, um, I don't know, hit the radar for me maybe 10, 12 years ago. And uh, they got a great track called, you know, The New Year. But uh, they're, they're not really a hard rock band. They're just kind of an alternative rock band, kind of post-alternative rock. It's so funny how that stuff works these days. Uh, but they're an interesting band, and I didn't want to start with a ballad. I wanted to kind of give you guys something a little up-tempo to get going with today. Death Cab for Cuties, the new year. Number nine, a lady that's been uh, an accomplished artist for many, many years, an angelic voice in so many respects, and she has all of this uh, incredible heavy material, and she sings it in such a way that it almost seems like a lullaby, but sometimes you look at the lyrical content, and it's like, Man, this is a really heavy song. I'm talking about Tori Amos. And we're going with Our New Year from Tori is your number nine track today. And for those of you that are unfamiliar, I'm telling you, this in the beginning of all of this stuff, like in the early 90s when things began to change in music, Tori Amos would, uh, you know, after the silent, after all these years, it's an incredible album. It's very, very painful at times. But she sings in such a way that she emotes so heavily it really resonates with her listeners and that she has a huge following out there uh, maybe you're somewhat unfamiliar but you should be all right number eight a band from the 60s man that had some huge huge hits and it's so funny too you know when my time when i was a program director at uh, wcju i can still say it just like that too right wcju um the zombies were a big part of our deal man and uh they're an English rock band, man. They've been playing since the 60s. They're still out doing some work now. I mean, they're still active. You know, it's crazy. I mean, of course, it's one of those deals, too, where it's, you know, they're a nostalgia band. But um, they have had some big hits over the years. Huge. Huge. You know, they were kind of the um, British answer to a lot of the Hate ashbury stuff. But, uh, yeah, they had She's Not There, which is a huge hit for them. Tower No, I Want You Back Again, Just Out of Reach. You know, so many great tracks from them. Time of the Seasons, probably the one that you guys know the best. It was released in uh, the United States in 69, and uh, nice. And uh, it's a gold record for them, the biggest hit they ever had. But they had a great track, too, called This Will Be Our Year. It's taken a long time to get there, but this is it. And hopefully that's the case for Mississippi State. This Will Be Our Year, 20. 24. That's your number eight track. Number seven, we're going to go with um, another band, kind of a nostalgia band too, but um, they kind of made a name for themselves with their incredible harmonies. They had a comeback too with uh, Dancing Queen being so popular on TikTok these days. It's ABBA's Happy New Year. Ab did you think that you were going to hear ABBA today? Well, you did. You're, you're going to. Number six, uh, a young lady that has had a tremendous career. I don't know there's anybody in the world right now that's hotter than Taylor Swift. And uh, I don't mean that from a, you know, an appearance standpoint. Obviously, she's, she's a beautiful young lady. But uh, 
I don't know that anybody is at the peak of their career right now more than Taylor Swift. I mean, she is an international phenomenon. And um, a lot of young ladies really identify with her. And she's had some critics, too, which I don't fully understand. It's like a lot of people say, well, this person is this. And it's that, that's a thing that I've learned. When you're on top, you're under the microscope, and people are always going to say and do things to, and about you that maybe aren't true. And, uh, it's you know, just let's just enjoy the music, right? There's always people want to assign motive, right? It's like you go back and you think back in the 70s. I'm a child of the 70s. And I remember when Kiss came out, and everybody thought the world was going to end because Kiss had long hair and wore this makeup, and, you know, it's, it's nuts, man. And, uh, you know, somehow the world kept spinning. But Kiss was supposedly this threat where everybody's going to go out and burn their records, and, you know, and they did. And now you look at it, you know, it's like you look at what Kiss is doing now, their fifth final farewell tour or whatever. But Taylor Swift is getting some of that same criticism. It's like, it's the same thing like with, you know, Alabama and Georgia football and things like that, right? I mean, nobody ever talks trash about Vanderbilt football because people don't feel threatened by that. But when teams begin to ascend, people think, oh, well, something is happening here, you know? And uh, I read a thing the other day where somebody tried to suggest that Taylor Swift sold her soul to the devil. You know, it's just like, come on. Can we get some new material? Uh, Taylor Swift, I read an article recently that my wife shared with me that, um, when she was getting ready to do prepare for her tour, that she would go out and do the whole three-hour set list on a treadmill. Like she would run on a treadmill and then sing. Because she takes a lot of pride in her craft. But uh, Taylor Swift's New Year's Day, kind of a different song. Like the, the music is kind of muted on this. And so it really pushes the vocal forward. Um, but uh, interesting. You know, I'll be picking up bottles with you on New Year's Day, that sort of stuff. Uh, but yeah, but uh, my little rant there about Taylor Swift, leave the kids alone, okay? Just leave. If Pink Floyd has taught us anything, leave those kids alone. Number five, uh, a band that I saw for the very first time live uh, on the Slippery When Wet tour with Cinderella opening. It was a fabulous night, February 13th, 1987, uh, down in Biloxi. Many of you were there. We had a great time. We weren't exactly sure what to expect. We just knew that Bon Jovi was the biggest thing going, and they were. Of course, they came back with the uh, you know, the New Jersey album, which also was phenomenal, with Born to Be My Baby. A lot of nostalgia with Bon Jovi. And uh, John can't hit the big notes like he once did, uh, but uh, from the This House Is Not For Sale album, there's New Year's Day, another up-tempo. You know, because John, as John matured, there was a little less of an edge. I think the songwriting was still great, but things became a little more adult contemporary. And maybe that's just John knowing his lane. But uh, there's discussion now about Richie and John reuniting for one final tour, which would be great. I would be there for that. Be down for that. See Bon Jovi again. Number four, uh, this came from the Millennial Concert. It's Guys, it's like almost 20. Has it really been almost 25 years? It's been exactly 24 years, I guess, since we had all the Y2K stuff. Do you remember that? It's like everything. It's like nowadays, like everything is... Uh, Everything is labeled, you know. Everybody on their merchandising and marketing stuff, they always put out there, well, this is, you know, gluten-free or Y2K compliant. I mean, it's like it didn't matter what it was. I mean, you, you went out and bought like a garden hose and it says it was Y2K compliant. It put, people put on everything. It became this buzzword uh, for marketing. Hey, you got to go buy this because this is Y2K compliant. There was all these people like, well, hey, when computers were invented, you know, the 19 was a constant. 
Like, we didn't have smart enough people to figure that out. There were people suggesting Y2K was going to lead to Armageddon. Nuts. But anyway, the Eagles uh, played the Millennial Concert, a Millennium Concert, and um, debuted the song Funky New Year, and it is a little bit funky for them. Don Henley on the vocals there. Uh, I loved seeing that resurgent from the Eagles late. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, again, I'm a child of the 70s. But, uh, you know, the Eagles were huge, you know, when I was a kid. Huge. Huge. And, again, people thought you shouldn't listen to Hotel California, you know, because it was uh, going to turn us all into drug addicts. Maybe it did. Maybe I can blame Don Henley for that. Um, but, anyway, Funky New Year, number four. Number three, one of my favorite artists, he didn't live long enough. Absolutely love the way that he emotes vocally. It's Jeff Buckley. Kind of a different song for Jeff. A track called New Year's Prayer. It's number three for you today. And uh, my prayer for you and your family is that everything goes exceptionally well this year and that you and your family are free from harm. Uh, You know, we know life happens on life's terms, right? I mean, we can't control it. We can only control our reaction to things. And, um, you know, I've had uh, two deaths in a family here in the last few days that uh, are going to require some windshield time. And that's what you do, man. You show up for the people that you love. And uh, I'll I'll head down to uh, to Canton on Tuesday. And then Thursday will be a a very, very busy day. I've got to go down and do a recovery podcast that morning, head to my step-grandmother's funeral, lived to be 98 years of age, and uh, then head over to watch some uh, some Swamp People with some friends. New season starts on uh, Thursday night, so we're going to go to the watch show with our friends. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things you look at. It's like, you know, you, you begin to work through life, and it's like you have all these aspirations, but you never know when something negative is going to happen to you but it's how you react to that that matters mo- most. It, it truly does. And there are some things that happen it's very difficult to heal from. Uh, my prayer for you, though, is that um, let's put our best foot forward. And no matter what life throws at us, let's, uh, let's navigate through it together. All right, number two. And you had another song was on here. I think the last time we did this, this was number one. It's not this year. And it's not that the song has changed. It's just that maybe my feelings have changed. But uh, it's Accounting Crow's Long December. You know, it's been a long December, and there's reason to believe that maybe this year will be better than the last. I mean, right? And it really was a long December for the Mississippi State fan base the last two years. Except this year, we didn't have a bowl game, right, to look forward to. But think about all the things that happened in December. It's absolutely nuts, man. You know, of course, we had the coaching change and the coaching search and then staffing it out. Then we had, you know, portal stuff to deal with, recruiting stuff to deal with. And, uh, you know, the portal window is going to close here this week, which is great. Then we'll have an idea of who that there'll be. A, there'll be a big rush of people that go in here at the very end, and so I think we've done a pretty good job handling that so far. But uh, we need some other guys to go in the portal that can uh, come in and be a part of this thing and help the turnaround. But uh, yeah, it's a long December. But uh, I love the Counting Crows. I think that August and everything after is is a quintessential album of the '90s when music was really changing. I remember hearing Mr. Jones for the first time, and I thought, you know, these guys are a little bit different. They're a little bit different. They were. And if they weren't so sad, right, because that's what we got kind of inundated with in the early 90s. You know, the 80s was nothing but a good time, and then in the early 90s, everybody was, uh, you know, basically trying to get you to kill yourself. But uh, the Counting Crows, I thought, a different band and a different breed of band that really brought some positivity in many respects. But number one for me... A band that uh, gave you a free album one year, just automatically downloaded it to your iTunes, whether you wanted to or not. But it's uh, U2. 
and we're going to go back to the war album. We're going to New Year's Day when that's when Edge and those guys were absolutely ripping it, man. It's like they they haven't even become a big band yet in the in the states, and that album, in many respects, kind of allowed them to do so. And now you look around and like you know, U2 is one of the biggest bands in the world. Of course, they they played that big show out in Vegas, which was ridiculous. Our buddy Blair Chandler went went and saw that, and um, it's pretty nuts, man. I mean, to think that U2 still out there playing at such a high level when you have as many hits as they have, uh, you kind of understand why they would retain a following. But you begin to think too, man, that these guys have probably made their money; they could hang it up. And people, I don't think it's just for the money. I think when you've made as much money as Bono and those guys have, it's about the love of the music and the joy of the fans. So, New Year's Day from U2 is your number one track on today's top ten New Year's songs. And again, as always, we wish you the very best as you move forward into the new year. Our next segment of show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution, right? You want to support Starkville businesses? Start with Campus Bookmart because they have supported you for so many years, providing you with great Mississippi State merchandise. Whether it be to outfit your family, your home, your RV, your office, your pet, I don't know what you want to put Mississippi State stuff on, but chances are Miss Kathy Brown has already found it for you and has it waiting for you at Campus Bookmart. Next time you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces. A lovely, talented Susie. Still there. Still there. And uh, go by and see them. But if you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a Lawyer Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's spend a little time here talking a little football, but let's talk about recruiting first. I thought the 2024 year was pretty good. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was elite. I think 2025 has the potential uh, to be a very, very, very good year. And not just a good year for Mississippi, but a good year for Mississippi State. Caleb Cunningham is currently rated as the number one player in the state of Mississippi. I'm absolutely okay with that. I don't think there's any question about that. This is a guy that's thrown off for small over the country. He has a great relationship with J.J. Harrell and some of the guys that uh, have signed with Mississippi State. And he's got a great relationship with Chad Bumpus. And I think the fact that we have changed our offensive philosophy to a more wide receiver-friendly offense, I think State's a team to beat. I've put in a crystal ball pick some time ago. He's going to take his time and work through the process, but I think there's a really good chance the State has the opportunity to get Caleb Cunningham the number one player in Mississippi. You know, State didn't do so well in the top ten this year. You know, Ole Miss – uh, did a really good job getting some of those guys. And, again, I'll tell you, at first blush last year, I thought the defensive line class was going to be outstanding. As the season and process have worn on, I think it's just good. I don't think it's outstanding. I do think Kamarion Franklin's got a chance to be really good players. He's a little bit raw, but uh, he has a high ceiling. I think Caleb Cunningham, provided that he stays healthy, has a chance to be one of the best recruits of the last three to four years in the state of Mississippi. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, I think this is a guy, if you get a chance to go watch him play, you should. Uh, he'll be very busy this spring and summer, and the, you know he'll make a decision. Uh, but I think right now Mississippi State is the, is the team to beat, and that's just not me putting my mouth out there. I've put my crystal ball stamp on that. I do expect Caleb Cunningham to be a Bulldog. Now, the number two player and currently considered the top defensive prospect in the state of Mississippi 
for the 2025 class is Tyler Lockhart. Had a chance to see him play this year uh, against Grenada, and he's absolutely everywhere. And, of course, Mississippi State has signed his older brother, T.J. Lockhart, and his close friend, Fat Clark. Mississippi State is clearly the team to beat here. He is going to work through the process a little bit. I absolutely will not rule out an early commitment. Now, you've got new guys on defense. Obviously, he's got a chance to get to know those guys. But uh, he's going to spend a lot of time on your campus. My crystal ball pick has been in for him for some time in favor of Mississippi State. Tyler Lockhart is one of those guys. You know, I tell you who he kind of reminds me of, and this is going to go back a few years. He reminds me a little bit of Brady James that played at OSU. You know, the long, lean, physical guy that had no aversion to contact, and all of a sudden he got in the college weight room and he got bigger and bigger and bigger and stronger, faster. I think Tyler is that same kind of player. Tyler Lockhart will absolutely strike you. So that's the top two players in the state right now considered Mississippi State leans. Now, the number three player in the state is uh, Deuce Knight. A lot of people thought he was going to go to Tennessee. Guys, he's committed to Notre Dame. Transferred back to George County. I like Deuce a lot. Um, he's a thinner guy. He is. But the kid's got a huge arm. And you got to think that arm strength and that velocity is only going to get better. Ball placement's only going to get better. This is a kid that's phenomenal as an athlete, to quote Ben Howland. Uh, but will do a great job. And um, the fact that he is already committed to Notre Dame says a lot about him and his ability. The number one running back in the state is a guy that Mississippi State was among the first to offer. Now, he is a guy that's going to go through a lot of ups and downs in his recruitment. This guy's a real dude. It's a and Deer from Quipman. Now, State is very much in the mix. I wouldn't say he's a state lean by any stretch. But I do know that the fact that he got that first big offer from Mississippi State is significant to him. Uh, now it's going to be up to Coach Tucker and those guys to kind of get things done. I think that's a big part of things. Now, you've got some offensive skill in the state and certainly some good defensive players. Uh, now you need to get this thing rolling. You know, and that's a good thing if, you're, if you are Jeff Levy. Your first full year, it appears that you've got some really talented players that aren't just diamonds in a rough and developmental guys. These are guys that have a chance to come in and impact your program uh, pretty early in their careers. And I think Akeelan Deer is one. It's certainly a priority. Currently rated number five is Kevin Otis. This is a guy, too, that State's in a good, a good place with. He's currently rated as a four-star at number 90. And to be honest with you, I think that might be a bit high, and that's I'm not going to sit here and call him overrated. What, what worries me about him is wingspan. I think it's interesting to see how he grows, right? What's he going to look like this summer compared to last year? Now, if he is on pace, you know, he's 6'2", 285 right now. But you'd like a guy like that probably going to play on the interior. You'd like him to have a little bit longer arms. Now, again, he's still a growing kid, you know. But as far as tenacity, playing with effort – I think Kevin Otis is going to be a big-time player. Uh, is he a guy that, uh, you know, he's got a ton of offers right now, but is he a guy that uh, Alabama or somebody pushes for? I don't know that I would say that. I think Mississippi State has a good chance there. I think State and Ole Miss both will be very involved in his finalists when it's all said and done. So we'll see. Number six, a, a kid that I have absolutely adored um, as a prospect and as a person. Dad is outstanding. Of course, his older brother, Janoris Hobson, uh, came to Mississippi State and ultimately transferred. Honestly, I think the coaching the coaching change helps us with Jacorby Hobson, who is a linebacker, uh, 6'1", 205 pounds, a guy that we think is going to be a big-time player. And, again, a guy we need to keep home. 
Now you got to wonder, okay, how does you know the family feel about Mississippi State after Janoris leaving? But again, I think the coaching change probably helps. All things are new. I mean, you know, Janoris enjoyed being here, but Janoris didn't get the opportunities that he expected to get, and uh, and he went to junior college and. I'm not sure where he landed, but he didn't have a ton of options uh, on signing day. So I don't know what he's elected to do. But whatever fences that may have been, um, you know, damaged a little bit, we got to mend those. And I think, again, with us making a coaching change, I think that helps us there. I, I think if had the current, the previous staff stayed on, I don't know that we would have been able to, uh, to really be in the game here. And I don't know how much we're in the game now. But uh, he's moved from uh, Horn Lake to Lake Cormorant, you know, and at Lake Cormorant, you know, we've had some issues at times getting players out of there. Uh, Anson Lewis, a wide receiver from Columbia, Mississippi, I think it's pretty safe to say that um, most years he would be your number one rated receiver in the state of Mississippi. Just so happens he's behind Caleb Cunningham. But Anson Lewis is a guy that's got a ton of opportunity at this point, played for a state championship this year, will be – arguably the best offensive player in South Mississippi next year uh, from a receiver standpoint. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, will certainly be a Mississippi-Alabama all-star game participant. Uh, and he's at Columbia High School, you know, same place I attended and played ball there as well. So he's a recruitment that we think that we'll be able to kind of monitor pretty close. We've got some pretty good connections down there. Not saying he ends up at State, but I will tell you this, the family was very excited when Mississippi State offered. Uh, but he'll work through it. The process really just beginning. Now, Andrew Maddox at Oak Grove. I absolutely love this kid's game. Absolutely love his game. Of course, older brother A.J. Maddox signed with Ole Miss. Ole Miss clearly the favorite here. Uh, and it's worth, to you know, hey, even if A.J. moves to wide receiver or DB, because I don't know that A.J. Maddox is going to be going to be uh, a kid that's going to start at Ole Miss, a quarterback. I think he could be a change of pace guy. I think it could be a, a good slot receiver. I take the chance on him to get in with Andrew Maddox. Andrew Maddox is a dude, man. He's like 6'3", 270 right now. Quick twitch guy, plays on the interior. And that's the thing about guys like him that are those true three techs. Everybody wants them. So the offer sheets kind of fill up quickly. But Andrew Maddox is a dude, I would say right now, Ole Miss clearly the favorite to get him. And, uh, you know, you got to recruit him. You know, David Turner's got to get in there and get involved. But you, you got to feel like you're really maybe fighting a losing battle. You can't just give up on it. But uh, Andrew Maddox, one of the better defensive linemen in the state of Mississippi, and I would venture to say at this point the best defensive lineman for the 2025 class in Mississippi. If I hadn't put a crystal ball pick in, but uh, that's probably coming soon uh, to Ole Miss. All right, number nine in the state is Cortez Thomas, a corner from Holmes County Central. Now, Holmes County Central has been really good to Mississippi State. State's been really good to Holmes County Central. Cortez Thomas is a dude, man. Had a chance to watch him play against Indianola Gentry. That entire secondary, I would, I think I'd sign them all. But all those kids can really run and jump and play the football and tackle. Cortez is a special dude. Now, he's 89 in the composite, ranked number nine in the composite in the state of Mississippi. This is a guy that can really go get it done. 6'1", 180, got a great wingspan, elevates really well, has ball skills. Just one of those guys, man. And uh, it just seems like <laughs> – Coach Rogers and the, and the crew down there just keep churning them out every single year. They're doing some good things. Of course, this year they had an undefeated regular season and, and losing the playoffs. But they'll be back next year. They're not going anywhere. Not with all the skill those guys have. If they can find a few linemen in there that can protect a little bit, 
Uh, Holmes County will be a team to really watch in 2025. But I'm telling you, that secondary and most of those guys play both ways, absolutely legit. And uh, trust me, we'll stay to be right back in there in 2026 too. Uh, Tyler Miller, offensive tackle from uh, Laurel, Mississippi. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, he's not like Malik Ellis and Charles Cross from a physical standpoint. This is a guy that's probably going to need to drop a little bit of weight, learn to play at a different playing weight. He's 6'7", 340 right now. But doesn't have like that customary stiffness that juniors often have. This is a guy that's already got pretty good dexterity. I think that's a big name to watch, literally and figuratively. Of course, State has done really well in Laurel here as of late. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, Charles Cross, Malik Ellis, if they can help get Tyler Middle to, to follow in their footsteps. And this is a big thing early on for Cody Kennedy. Ole Miss will be involved here. There's going to be a lot of teams on him early. we got to make him a priority. Another lineman to really watch, Mario Nash, Jr. That kid is – this kid will fight you. Out of Kemper County, you know, of course, that's where Marcus Green came from. Remember Marcus Green? I remember getting Marcus on the phone for the very first time. Uh, the, the folks down there in DeKalb and Scoob, that whole neck of the woods, obviously a lot of people love Mississippi State. Mario Nash is a guy that's got a ton of opportunity now. I think he's probably a guard, could be a right tackle. State appears to be in a pretty good position with him right now, but there's still a lot to go. Skipping down just a little bit, Camario Taylor uh, listed at number 13 in a composite, currently committed to Mississippi State. Jalen Parnell, linebacker out of Pascagoula, really like him too. Of course, his brother just left the Mississippi State baseball program, uh, elected to go play in junior college. But that's a pretty good, you know, Right now, there'll be some new names, of course, that we'll get some more film on and we'll get some guys rated. But right now, I think when you look at this group, if you're Jeff Levy, and there is a lot to work with here, there's there's a lot within the state where you have some connections with some guys that you should be able to get off to a good start. And you should be able to find some guys perhaps that can help uh, the recruiting efforts. Now, I, I think in order for us to um, – to take the next step as a program. You know, we're going to have to expand the recruiting footprint a little bit, especially when it comes to offensive skill. Uh, this is a state that primarily does a lot of defensive skill players, but we've got some offensive skill in there this year. Uh, again, you think about the fact, I don't know how many receivers you're going to take next year. I mean, you, you know, I think Chad has signed 100 this year, but uh, with Anson Lewis and Caleb Cunningham, you've got to go get those guys. And I think the fact that state that Chad has done so well in state this year with names these guys know. I won't be surprised if Chad gets them both. And, again, you think about Tyler Lockhart and the connections there. Akeelan Deer, I think that's one you're really going to have to work hard to get, but uh, certainly worth the squeeze. This is a kid that jump cuts. Like, I mean, it's there's a lot of those guys out there just kind of run with their head down, don't have any vision. That's not the case with Akeelan Deer. But I think it's going to be a fun year to cover recruiting this year. Now, you know, we didn't have a ton of kids visit State and Ole Miss this year. So we didn't have a ton of those in-state battles. You know, you've got some, you know, some stuff in the background here with the portal and all that kind of stuff. That's all part of it too. Uh, but I think this year you're going to have some people. You're going to have some people that are really going to be excited about some of these in-state kids, and I think most of them will stay in-state this year. And uh, it's going to be fun to cover. I think it's going to be fun for all of you folks to follow. But uh, – some big-time players, and again, we talk about keeping kids at home. I think this year State and Ole Miss will both do a good job of that. But I think when you look at the top ten as it sits today, State's in a good position to sign probably half of those guys, maybe a little bit more. We're just going to see how things play out. But uh, 
you know, the rankings are always a little bit fluid. But I, I think State is going to do well in State, and I think there's some big-time players in the State this year that can really help this program kind of moving forward. And, of course, Caleb Cunningham, Tyler Lockhart, right at the top of the, the, the pecking order and also the top of the Bulldog wish list. Really no question about that. So now it's time to go sign them. Now it's time to get to work. I mean, you know, obviously we still got some portal recruiting to do. You know, we've, uh, you know, we're working on tracking down a, a new portal commitment right now. I say portal commitment, and um, it got its well traveled uh, here in recent years. But uh, out of uh, East Mississippi Community College, you know, we're, we're chasing chasing this absolutely. Uh, you know, Brylan Lanier, former Alabama. Uh, Defensive back. So we're working on that, and uh, I reached out to a few people. We'll hope to have some uh, reaction from him today uh, about his commitment to Mississippi State, and uh, in the next few hours, hopefully. But uh, it's time to kind of begin to start thinking about okay, well, once we get these portal guys done, and we're on the clock now. Drop ad date here is just over two weeks away. Uh, we've got to go out and get an edge rusher again. Got to get some defensive backs. Got to get a linebacker. I think we're in a stretch now with uh, official visits this weekend. I think we'll pretty much have the hay in the barn, with rare exception, uh, this time next week. And it gets, guys will start making some plans. But uh, next thing you know, we'll be in the junior days. We'll be in all these events. Uh, the, the junior combines and things like that. We'll be giving you coverage of that stuff. And so, But this 2025 class, at first blush, looks to be a really good one. How much depth we have in the class kind of remains to be seen. But I think there's some real headliners this year. Uh, that state is in a good position with it. As always, you know, Ole Miss going to get their share. I mean, that's just, that's just kind of how things are. It's pretty rare that one school dominates in state over the other. But uh, and again, there's still some 2024 high school guys uh, yet to announce their decisions that uh, maybe could change the way that uh, certain newspapers cover recruiting. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Uh, what a great place to stay. It's a thing to, if you're coming to town, here's the deal. And you got to go get five hotel rooms. Why not save some money and also make it just a better stay by staying at Stark Vegas Clubhouse? Everybody can have their own private quarters. You can. You can check it out. You'd be glad you did. When you Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse, you can find that Facebook group, their Facebook page. These great pictures, all the amenities that are available to you. You've got the wet bar. You got that great fire pit area out back. Not a lot of neighbors around. Not that we want you getting too rowdy, but you're not going to have a lot of people out there kind of infringing on your peace. It's the old renovated uh, clubhouse, the old golf course, just five minutes from the Mississippi State campus. Uh, conveniently located to everything in Starkville. So whether you're bringing a work group to town or bringing a family to town, we're going to encourage you to stay at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Give them an opportunity to serve you. And if you book online, as you should, Book through the Evolve website. We'll save you a little money. Use promo code BSR10, and that gets you 10% off your stay. And you can book through some other websites, but the promo code's not going to work. You're just kind of going to be throwing money away. Because you're a Boneyard listener, we've got a little, a little inside info for you to save you a little money. Uh, but, again, that's a Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Check them out today. You'll be glad you did. All right, so we talk about recruiting, talk about baseball, softball, uh, I wrote an article yesterday kind of about some things that uh, were happening, you know, that happened last year, kind of a year interview thing. I'm reminded, too, this morning, you know, the men's and women's golf teams both won a regional last year, and uh, that's pretty significant. I didn't note that yesterday, so I want to apologize to everybody involved in Mississippi State golf, men's and women's side, uh, for what they were able to accomplish this year. It's never anything intentional. 
ever. Uh, but we appreciate everybody that represents the maroon and white on the uh, fields and courts of play, or courses of play in this respect. Uh, but now it's time to think about football. We've talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, what to expect? I expect Mississippi State to be in the mix for a bowl game. I think we're going to have a really difficult time uh, winning more than six in a regular season. Now, I may feel differently by the time the season gets here, right? And I'm eager to see how things go this spring. Uh, Blake Shapin, of course, is your quarterback. I would venture to say right now that may be the only quarterback you take in the portal. When they took him, we knew we were going to continue to kind of shop and things like that uh, to provide some competition there. I, I don't think unless a difference maker comes along, we're going to take another quarterback in the portal. And you start working through this and start thinking about the numbers and things of that nature, I think you're, you're good to go for this year. But it did seem early on. You know, when the portal opened, there were all these quarterbacks out there, and we thought we'd have a really good chance to get what people considered a blue chip. Uh, and But Levy obviously targeted Blake Shapin from his time at Oklahoma, clearly knows uh, what he's capable of. And so it appears that we're going to rival Blake Shapin unless a difference maker comes along here late. Of course, the portal window's about to close this week. So, that, again, there'll be a mad rush of people to get in. That may change the, the dynamic a little bit for us. But it all starts with quarterback. And now we've got a power five guy, you know, and uh, it's, it's interesting, you know. I think there's so many people out there to say, you know, spend whatever you have to. Well, there is a finite number of resources available, right? And so, and, and I've heard that, uh, you know, some people out there going for, for $2 million, you know. Um, I just know that I support spending that kind of coin on a guy that, uh, you know, could – you know, break a collarbone in the spring or tear an ACL or something, and then you've got $2 million invested in a guy that can't play, you know. And um, that's the thing about these NIL contracts is they can't be structured around athletic performance. Not that anybody's watching, it appears, but uh, that's the way it's supposed to work. But it all starts at quarterback. So going through the spring, you know, what do things look like with Michael Van Buren? What do things look like uh, with Blake Shapin, Chris Parson? Um, Mike Wright. I still think Mike Wright has a role on this team. I do. I think, I, honestly, I think Jeff Levy might know how to use Mike Wright better than than uh, Kevin Barbet did. Because I, I think we, we all knew that we underutilized Mike and we, sometimes we put him in some situations that maybe weren't uh, maybe lending itself to success. They put him in there just to hand the football off. And what, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? And every time we put him in there, it's just a run play, and people are going to sell out. They don't respect the pass. And then by the time that you have to use him as a quarterback, he hadn't had a chance to get any game reps as a passer. I mean, that kind of stuff, it's just you look back in hindsight and you think, well, what, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Uh, running back situation, we've got a lot of new faces there, right? A ton. You know, Jeffrey Pittman, of course, is back. Yvonne Lee is back. Uh, and and you've, you've added Johnny Daniels. You've got some young guys coming in. Uh, and so – I think running back position is going to be fine. I think we're going to use the running back in a more traditional way. I think last year, when you look at some of our play design and play calling, you know, we, we really just kind of expect the guys to get out there and make people miss. We didn't always make it easier for them. Uh, of course, we mentioned Chad Bumpus, the wide receivers that we've added in this class. It'll be interesting this spring to see how Chad utilizes these guys. And, of course, you know, this time last year, we were all excited about Freddie Roberson. We didn't get a lot from him. We didn't. And I think it goes to show you, too, the big jump from FCS to SEC uh, is tough. Now, that guy made some big grabs for us at times, but uh, 
He was not the difference maker we hoped he would be. We need these guys to be difference makers. We've retold the offensive line. I think Cody Kennedy, you, you want to know, like, Chad Bumpus at this point is number one when it comes to recruiting right now on this staff. Cody Kennedy right now, I'd say number two. When you look at what we've done, the guys that we've been able to add to the portal, and that's where I think Cody's doing his best work, uh, is getting guys out of the portal and into a Mississippi State uniform. I think that's going to be big. And, and again, you're retooling an offensive line. You got a few guys back, and you know, Percy Lewis uh, may end up going to Ole Miss. That's part of the deal, too. You know, uh, there's so much about this stuff with this portal and uh, the way NIL works now. You got some people out there that want to hold schools hostage, and, and I just don't think that Jeff Lebby is about that. I, I just I just based on some of the stories that I've heard. Jeff Labby is not going to let people to say, okay, well, I'll do this. Well, I'm just going to get the portal if I don't get some more money. I think Jeff's like, okay, let's just go ahead and go. You know, I don't think Jeff Labby is a guy that uh, is going to be held hostage by his players, and I think that makes for a better locker room. You can't have people out there that just feel like they can do and say whatever they want to do and then expect those people to be compliant within a game plan or within a culture. It just doesn't work that way. Now, we'll see what happens on the defensive side of the football. And, again, there's still some recruiting left to go here. Uh, Dave Turner really needs that edge rusher. We've touched on that before. But when if Calvin Dinkins and Trevion Williams are healthy in the fall, and we certainly expect them to be careful with them in the spring, Calvin Dinkins, I think, will, will get some pretty good reps. I don't know what Trevion will do. Depends on where he is in his recovery. Uh, maybe he's – 60%, 70% does a few things. Maybe you don't go full contact with him. But I feel like, you know, we've got some pieces on that defensive front to make us interesting. DeMonte Russell, of course, is back, and DeMonte had a good year last year. Um, you don't have Jaden Cromedy, and you don't have Nathan Pickering. But you have a lot of other guys back, and now you're working through the portal now, and you've got some two-deepers. And so it'll be interesting to see how that group meshes together. But do we have some talent? We do have some talent. But it'd be great to have an experienced edge rusher guy that is a guy that you got to account for in a pre-snap read. We don't have that right now. Linebacker, you know the production we're losing, right? I mean, we all know it. I mean, that's probably not, not a bigger drop-off there uh, when you think about this year to next year than we've ever had, maybe. I mean, you're losing Jet and Buki, two of the most prolific tacklers in the Southeastern Conference throughout their careers, especially the last two years. Uh, and you go out and you get some other guys, and you feel like you've got some guys that can run and play. But, uh, you know, Jed and Boogie have done it in the SEC. Uh, Stone Blanton obviously is a, a target of choice. We, we, we feel good about that, but we'll feel a whole lot better about it if he announces for Mississippi State. Uh, Stone's a guy, too, that uh, I was a big fan of his coming up. Uh, when he committed to Mississippi State baseball, people said, you know what, we think Stone's a guy that's got some MLB potential. Then next thing you know, football becomes a bigger part of the equation. And so – uh, I'm a Stone Blanton fan. He had a big game against us. He had a good year uh, this year for South Carolina. And when you think about our immediate needs, uh, if we're able to get him, that's very significant. It's very significant. If we're able to get him to pull the trigger, uh, I think that you feel like, okay, we, we have not only added some athletic guys that have been very productive with their previous schools, but all of a sudden you get a guy that's done it in the Southeastern Conference for two years. Is it going to be the same level of Buki and Jet? That remains to be seen. I would suspect probably no. And that's a lot of experience walking out the door. But I think Stone is a guy that kind of comes in uh, and really stabilizes things if State's able to get that thing done. I feel like they will, but it's not one of the situations you can just assume anything. Now, the secondary still got to be figured out. And uh, what we need now, we need those guys last year that we signed hoping to be difference makers. 
to take a step forward this year and be able to participate this year. And uh, there was a lot of discussion last year that maybe we weren't putting the best guys on the field, but then you know, I would throw uh, you know, Bryce Pollock into discussion there. You know, as a guy who was a true freshman, got out there and made some plays for us. You feel pretty good about him. We need Kamari Rogers. You know, he was just a year removed from an ACL there. Need, need Kamari uh, to kind of realize his potential. You know, Radar Jones obviously is a guy that uh, maybe could help us a little bit too. But, you know, you got to think last year, it's been a long time since he played real football in a real football game. People forget that. And now you're working through the portal now. And uh, you begin to think, okay, now, you know, you get, um, you know, Brian Lanier uh, to come in. That's some more competition at the position. But uh, we've got to get some more DBs. And, again, we're in the same situation we were in this time last year, worried about the secondary. We tried to kind of rebuild through the portal, went through the spring. Radar didn't go in the spring. We came out of it, and once we got into fall camp, you could see it. You could see that we were going to have issues, especially at safety. And now DeCamrion, who may be our, may, may have been our best returning player, has gone off the road to Ole Miss. You know, that doesn't sit well with you, right? It doesn't. And so now you're basically having to retool the whole secondary with guys that were reserves last year outside of Bryce Pollock and get some brand-new names in here. So, you know, Matt Barnes and uh, – Coach Bell, those guys have a real challenge in front of them. But when you look at the schedule, and we, and we did that last week, we won't do it again, you can kind of look at it and say, okay, there are some winnable games here, and then there's a bunch of toss-up games. What will define our season is how we do against our contemporaries, how we do against Texas A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Auburn. That's going to define the season. Now, if you look at the fact right now, you know the way that Auburn and Ole Miss are recruiting, especially in the portal – you look at it and say, you know what, hey, there may be a gap there. You know, I mean, I, I still think that Auburn game, if you got Will Rogers, maybe it's a different discussion, right? Maybe. You know, we'll see. But uh, <clears throat> I guess the way, in many respects, we look at this thing moving forward is we've got to be able to recruit at a higher level. We've got to be able to commit more resources. And I don't just mean from an NIL standpoint. we got to get some more people out here that can help us uh, identify players and get on them earlier. And, and the, the world in which we live in, you know, NIL is not going away. Until they begin to, uh, you know, to, to get some arms around this and get some control, uh, we're going to be in a situation and we're going to be outbid a lot in the portal. And maybe you don't want to hear that, but that's the reality of it. If we talk about telling it like it is, I'm telling you like it is. If we get into a bidding war in the portal for certain players, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. And that needs to be understood. And I'm not, that's not me here, you know, with my hat in my hand trying to do some, uh, you know, sappy little uh, serenade about trying to get you to give more to NIL. I'm just telling you that until they get this thing, we got to just kind of tread water, right, until they can get this thing, get some parameters put around this thing. But that doesn't mean that every kid out there is, uh, is going to bowl down to NIL. There's going to be some kids out there that say, hey, you know, look, yeah, I want a little NIL money, but I want to go to Mississippi State, or I think this is a better opportunity. But portal guys simply want to go somewhere that they know that their final year of eligibility, they're going to have a chance to win, win big, and possibly get into the playoffs. And right now, if you look at Mississippi State, can you make that sell? I don't think you can. I don't think you can go out there and tell somebody, hey, listen, we're going to be back in a bowl game next year. Won't you be part, a big part of that? They go, well, yeah, well, this other school is uh, probably going to be in a New Year's Six game, potentially in the playoff. So 
why would I come here when I could go there? You know, I got to get on the field. I got to play in some big ball games. I got to try to get to the league. So it's a tougher sell. We got to win some games. And, uh, yeah, we're behind some of our contemporaries right now. But I have faith in Jeff Levy. I think we're going to do a good job here. I think Jeff Levy is going to be able to score points. Uh, if he's done it everywhere he's been, put up big points. And so there's, there's no reason to think that he wouldn't do it here. We just got to figure out some things on the defensive side of the football. And, and, and like, I think if you went and sat down and said, okay, listen, here's my staff in the beginning, it probably looks different than it does today. And that's what happens when you have a first-time head coach. It's not something that's unique to Jeff Levy. And when Dan Mullen got here, the administration had to help make some hires. But Jeff's able to go out and get some guys that, that know him and know his system and his culture and the way he does things. So uh, I'm excited about football. But, again, as I shared last week, we need to have some measured expectations. You know, if we go 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five next year, that's a really, really good year. It's a really good year when you think that the things that the staff is facing. Now, Jeff Lebby could never tell you that. I don't think Jeff would ever subscribe to that. I think, you know, competitors, coaches, they, hey, we will find a way. We will find a game plan. We'll go through film. We'll find some things that we can exploit. The question is going to be, are you going to have, you know, the players and the talent around you to kind of implement that game plan and win at a high level in year one? And I don't know that that's fair. You know, I think when you think about if we had a lot of veterans returning, like if you had given Jeff Lebby – Last year's roster, with last year's schedule, I think we're having a much different discussion today. You don't think Jeff Levy could have taken those wide receivers and Will Rogers and that offensive line and won a couple more ball games, maybe three more ball games? I think so. And I think that's why we need an offensive-minded coach here at Mississippi State. You know, I know we, we have these discussions all the time. I think we have to be a little bit different on offense. We know what this state typically produces on defense. I don't think we always have to be different on defense. I, I like the fact that we were a little bit different. Uh, but I think there were some times last year that we were kind of predictable. So I'm eager to see how this thing goes. But uh, I'm expecting a good year for Mississippi State. A good year. I think that we have a chance to be in postseason just about everything, right? And, uh, you know, we set a record here just a few years ago, you know, most teams ever in school history in postseason play. We didn't have the major sports kind of come through the way we hoped this year outside of uh, men's basketball and women's basketball. And, and, again, I think Chris Jansen had a schedule. I think most of us thought, hey, Chris Jansen, those guys, probably an NIT team in year one. And then, lo and behold, we end up in a play-in game. Now, all of a sudden, he's got more of his dudes, and he's got Tolu Smith back, who's an All-American, right? And so I feel like we're a little bit ahead of schedule on the men's side, and maybe, maybe last year was that, you know, that one little jolt forward, but I think this year we hoped and expected us to be an NCAA tournament team. And the fact that we're in the position we're in, despite the fact that we had our best player out for 14 games, says a lot about this coaching staff. You look on the women's side of things, I think we're right back where we want to be. You know, maybe we're not yet ready to contend and host an NCAA uh, regional weekend for women's basketball like we did under Vic Schaefer. But um, I think we're, we're certainly a competitive team, and we're, we're a team that people I don't think are looking forward to playing this year. I think we're back in a tournament. You know my thoughts on baseball. And, of course, it's got to be a big year for Chris Simonis. I think everybody understands that. Everybody expects that to be the case. Uh, but I think there's also some people out there, too, that are just kind of on the fence. You say, you know what, hey, Chris, I love you for what you did when you first got here, but, you know, hey, 
since we've kind of reached the end of those players kind of rotating out of our program, you know, we haven't always replaced them with quality replacements. And so that's what's got to happen this year. I think Chris did do a good job in the portal this year. Of course, a lot of people are still salty about the Braden Montgomery thing. And um, there's a lot of people that wanted Braden to be here. But I don't know that Braden wanted to be here. So Braden's elsewhere. And so uh, we move forward with what we have. And I do think we've got a quality team. I think we are back in a regional. Are we hosting this year? I'm not ready to go that far. I'm not. But I think we're probably a strong two somewhere as of now. And, again, once we get into the season and, and begin to see, uh, you know, how this team begins to mesh together, I think that we can begin to, to feel good about that. And Coach, Coach, Coach Ricketts, I mean, you know, uh, has done some good things here. We need to bounce back here there. And then we'll get into football. And I think, again, it's going to be a good recruiting year. And I think the fact that you keep David Turner and Chad Bumpus is significant. And I think the early returns from Cody Kennedy has been good. Matt Barnes, of course, done a good job kind of getting some guys out there uh, to visit Mississippi State that maybe weren't on our radar before. So we'll see how things go. So, again, I'm expecting a good year. Doesn't always work out that way, but I think this time of the year, that's how everybody always feels, a little more positive. And so uh, if you hadn't done so, go to winthebottomfalls.com. Book's doing exceptionally well. Thank you guys for your support. Um, many of you didn't get it for Christmas, and uh, maybe you should. I've had a lot of great reviews. A lot of people have reached out and shared some very, uh, very personal, very serious things. And uh, I'm glad that people see me in that right, in that, in that light, that they say, you know what, I can trust this guy. Uh, I, got, I got secrets of other people that I'll carry to my grave, man. It's, um, that's the thing about this recovery thing. You know, it's just there's a lot of people out there that, that are living and dealing with a lot of guilt and shame. And some of it's, uh, it's well-rooted, right? Sometimes we do some really, really bad things. And, uh, you know, we need to, you know, seek forgiveness for that, look to make amends for that. And in some situations, you got to be held accountable, you know, whether that be legal or whatever. But, uh, you know, you, you, can't, you can't live life keeping secrets. It's the truth. You're only as sick as your secrets. And all my sports titles are there. We had a big run on Dogpile for Christmas. So uh, I think that's an important part of this thing, too. I think a lot of people miss Dogpile its window in 2021. Uh, but uh, every Bulldog deserves a copy of that. And, uh, of course, we're working on the brand-new book. Uh, eager to get that out to you uh, late summer. We'll have it out in time for football season. That's a plan. I'm, I'm going to work really hard to get all this stuff done in the spring so we have the whole summer uh, to get things done. We'll have a cover for you soon that you can celebrate and be excited about. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. You get T-shirts, hoodies there, all sorts of uh, styles and varieties, colors. That's uh, an important part of things. Appreciate everybody that reps the brand. And, of course, jeanspage.com. Come be a part of our merry band of misfits over there. And, uh, listen, we've had a record year there, too, and thank you for that. For everybody that's been a part of that, thank you for that. Whether you're a subscriber or you just read our free content, uh, thank you for your contributions. Biggest year we've ever had. Site's never been bigger. Site's never been better. Appreciate everybody that has uh, uh, contributed to our success. And for those of you that have been a part of that, um, you know, many thanks, to say the least. All right, I'm going to get out of here. Again, it's a busy week. Just to give you a couple programming notes, uh, I've got, again, some family obligations, but it shouldn't interrupt our Boneyard schedule this week. Got to head down to Canton Tuesday evening, so we should be able to get the Wednesday show up with no problem. Thursday will be a busy day. Uh, I've got to be on a recovery podcast Thursday morning and then uh, head down to a funeral in Columbia and then back up to um, central Mississippi 
for the uh, Swamp People watch party. And then Friday, we should have an opportunity to be back on schedule, too. So it should be this week. There shouldn't be any – shouldn't be. You know, I mean, you never know. But you shouldn't have any situations this week where we have to change our schedule. So uh, we'll be back Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And, uh, of course, we got official visitors this weekend, so we look forward to uh, previewing that as we get deeper into the week. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.